Why, hello, and welcome to Season 26, Episode 11 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. And I'm Stork. And just to mention, this episode of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast is sponsored by EasyRollerDice.com. Woo! Did you know that our friends at Easy Roller Dice have launched a new Kickstarter for aluminum dice with hand-drawn elven fonts? What? Yes. Wow. Kimmy, Kimmy perked up with that one. Right? <laughs> do you, do you still speak Elvish? A little bit. I'm really rusty. It's really bad. But I subscribe to this newsletter. I'm very interested. <laughs> right now, you can jump jump in on their Kickstarter and back any of the five colors. Go to easyrollerdice.com slash jacks. That's J-A-C-K-S. Easyrollerdice.com slash jacks to back the Kickstarter and get yours now. Uh, by the way, they also have a number of cool uh, stretch goals, uh, like an al- all-aluminum dice case, which I want, and some new dice cups. And Stork, you love dice cups. Yeah, because they really improved my rolling. <laughs> Do they? <laughs> you have, I know you Not actually so have been rolling. But I have been using better. dice cups, yes. Uh, again, go to easyrollerdice.com slash jacks. That's easyrollerdice.com slash jacks to back this. Aluminum dice, hand-drawn elven font designs. Or is it aluminium? Uh, well, I think it's aluminium uh, in certain places. I don't know if it's that here. I'm going to go to it right now and look. Awesome. Is it slash jacks because that's us? Yes. Oh, okay. Excellent. I'm assuming. So make sure you use that URL so that Ooh. we get credit for it. Ooh, that's, yeah. Oh, yeah, use that URL, please. Uh, EasyRollerDice.com slash Jax. Oh, man. Oh, they have 11-piece dice sets. What's in the 11-piece dice set? Hold on a second. Oh, hopefully extra D6s. Uh, one, two, three, four D6s. Nice. And seven, eight, nine, ten. There's got to be something else in there that I'm not, unless there's five D6s. 11-piece sets. Oh, two D20s. That's why. Oh, that's because you have advantage uh, and disadvantage now in D&D 5e, so you can actually yeah. use two of them. Um, 1D12, 1D10, 1D8, 4D6, 1D4, and 1D100, which is actually two times. And They are pretty. Aluminum D100 will just never stop rolling. It'll just sort of bounce uh, yeah, around. If it was like the right? giant golf yeah. ball die, yeah, that, that was a terrible design. <laughs> that wasn't them, though. That was someone else. Um, they do look beautiful. They, I like the green ones. I'm going to get some. Oh, yeah. Oh, those are fantastic. Oh, ooh, look at the dice cups. Those are awesome. Where's the... Where's the... Where's the... Um... Oh, there's the aluminum case. Ooh. All right. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. All right. EasyRollerDice.com slash jacks to go and for their Kickstarter and it looks like oh they've already hit they've already hit their goal so now it's just a matter of now it's guaranteed now and I just just go in and and, and buy them nice yeah it looks like they, they, they're over four times their, their their goal let me see where it is on the stretch goals though that's important I'm, gl- 
I'm glad to see they're able to do something. I, I know that I was doing some research. It wasn't a bit Jim that was talking about how dice companies are having a tough time right now because of uh, a lot of stuff's made in China. And so a lot of their inventory is just not showing up. Right. Well, the, it, 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 it's just going to, everything's just delayed. It's not like they're going to sink boats in the middle of the ocean. It will eventually get here. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and I mean, generally it's like months ahead of time. So it's like, like if you're backing Kickstarters right now, it, they may not even be delayed. Like right. the Decima Kickstarter, we've been delayed in sending out our survey because we're trying to get shipping prices that are changing around. Right. But the actual product, we're not expecting that to be delayed because we're not actually getting it printed until November, December. Oh, okay. So the actual product is like going to be on time. Right. It's just all the prep that's a little bit behind as we're trying to get answers. So if it's a Kickstarter that's just now happening, then they probably are going to be fine. Oh yeah, I, I think so. It looks like, yeah, everything's unlocked. All their it looks like all of their. Uh, wow. It looks like everything's unlocked, so it's all available now. So thank you, nice. EasyRollerDice.com, for uh, your continued support of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. We appreciate it, and if you'd like to support the show, support the sponsors. And we appreciate yes. them. Happy Jack, or sorry, easyrollerdice.com slash jacks. And that will take you there. Yes. Now, in this episode, Nicholas writes in saying we must stop consuming alcohol. Hey. Ben from Texas. You know, I, I'm not sure I like this guy. I, I know. He <laughs> sounds suspicious to me. I think he might be an asshole. I'm going <laughs> to, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to check my asshole registry and see if he's listed. Uh, ben from Texas uh-huh. writes in about giving the players a reason to not fall asleep. A revolutionary idea. Uh, and Zach sends us a horror story. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We also have a forum, happyjacksforum.com. That's happyjacksforum.com. And we're on all of the social meteors. We're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and MeWe, happyjacksrpg, all one word. That's happyjacksrpg, all one word. And if you'd like to watch the show live, you can watch us at 7, I think we started at 7.01 p.m. Pacific time. That's Pacific Daylight Time now at happyjacks.org slash live. That's happyjacks.org slash live. All right. Uh, first, uh, first email. I'll read this. Uh, the podcast must stop consuming alcohol from Nicholas. And then in parentheses, a clickbaity title from Nicholas in Stockholm, somewhere in Scandinavia. <laughs> okay, that worked. It worked, yes. Oh, yeah. See, I'm, okay, I'm going to start deleting my hate mail now. Hold on. Okay, thanks. <laughs> You always count to ten before you send. All right. I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna send a sternly worded letter to Stockholm, like all of Stockholm. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Stockholm, f off. Um, Holla, is it Holla? Happy Jacks? Does that mean hello? H a l l a with a thing on it. Holla. I don't know what yeah, that, what's like, the second a sound like. Storkus. What's the second A sound like, Stork? Sorry, I, I had my window down because I was reading it along with you. It's a, I think it's like, uh, the second uh sound. Yeah. Hello? 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 Uh, oh. Prepare for a system-specific question about a system none all y'all plays. So take a drink. I don't have anything. I have nothing. Well, you see, you're following his advice. I am. Um, this will require your full drunken abandon... 
ellipses, and beer. The system is Warhammer Fantasy RPG. Very familiar with that rule set. Um, Core Rules (laughs) has eight classes, each with eight career choices. Yes, math. Some would even call it crunch. Moving on. Uh, Players have one career each. In between sessions, they do actual work to make a living and learn new skills from within the career skill set. They are a productive member of society with a good reason to fight corruption. You can play a noble or a beggar, a scholar, or a pit fighter. Somewhat unfair in uh, pay slash usefulness, but it's part of the setting and why we love it. It's fun to be the underdog. Um, I've taken an issue with a particular skill called consume alcohol. It's meant to keep you sober, which is great considering how alcohol is was the safest way of keeping stored beverages from spoiling. My GM, rightfully, uh, finds it too much of a hassle to do sobriety checks, track drinks over time, etc. We are all Swedes, so we probably have a much higher limit for when one becomes drunk. It has never been used. It is a dead skill that most careers have to sink points into. It's very common with 45 out of the 64 careers having it. 33 have it at first level, which makes it obligatory. To put this into perspective, consume alcohol is more prominent than basic melee or dodge. The skills for attacking and avoiding an attack. Every game has a fight in it. But apparently not every game has a bar. Uh, but you should do drunken monkey style, then, then you're set, right? Uh, oh, they're not getting sound on Twitch? I'll fix that nope, right now. I guess not. I will fix right now. Hold on a second. Uh-huh. And that should be it. Check. No, it's still not it. Let me see. Let me try switching this. Sorry for those of you who are listening to the actual podcast. Uh, let's see, then it's turned up. I would suggest that you should maybe edit this part out, but I know well, you yeah. well enough to know. I might. That, that's not entirely implausible. Uh, it, it's it's possible that I might do something like that. Stranger things have happened, yes. I'm tracing cables right now because, you know that thing that I have over the... Maybe you should hit pause on the recorder? No, I'll just go find it. Okay. Uh, no, that's that's definitely in there. Uh, hmm. No, that is correct. I know that, that that device is working because you guys can hear me. Mm-hmm. Okay, there now they have audio. Okay. They will know. Sorry for those of you out there. Just so you know, this episode of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast is sponsored by Easy Roller Dice. They have new aluminum dice Kickstarter going on right now with an elven font design. 
go to easyrollerdice.com slash jacks. Jacks? Jacks. Jacks. Because we're jacks. We're happy we're jacks. Happy jacks. slash so, jacks. All right. And use use that URL because then we get credit for it and yeah. it supports the show. There you go. Thank you very much. Uh, okay. So we're talking about, uh, for those of you uh, listening live, I'll just reiterate very quickly. We got an email. Uh, th- this is from um, Nicholas uh, playing uh, Warhammer Fantasy RPG. They've got a skill called consuming consume alcohol, which most of the careers have. And in, in a lot of cases, you have to take it, and it's never been used. It's actually more common than basic melee or dodge, the skills for attacking or avoiding an attack. Every fight has a every game has a fight in it, and every fight has a game in it. Uh, obviously, the obvious solution is house ruling, but it's a lot of work when it's so deeply integrated into the game. We just started playing fourth edition, but the skill has been bugging me in previous editions, so we, we must be doing something wrong. I've not seen a fan made career without consume alcohol. Uh, am I wrong to want to get rid of this useless skill in a game? when it is not meant to be fair or balanced. How can we make use of it? P.S. Alternatively, we try, we, uh, we've tried implementing alcohol more into the game, playing alcoholics, or at least use it to treat a panic attack before battling the eldritch horrors from the realm of chaos. P.P.S. To make it worse, the GM found a use for it. We pay extra for, for a night at the bar. And when the doctor and when the doctor needs to use anesthesia, he might use have to use a little extra, so he charges us more for the increased dosage. PPPS obligatory nonsensical conclusion of memorandum. So a useless skill is it a useless skill? I'm so conflicted. Like my personal love of alcohol is like I don't know if I can be like an unbiased judge of this question. I think it's a it's a skill for GMs to screw with their players more than anything else. It's like, oh, we're going to go into a bar. Okay, go into a bar. There's a skill specifically so I can screw with you. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that kind of makes me love it more, I think. <laughs> right. I think it's... it's Because it, it, there's the... What is it? The, the carouse skill in Traveler. Mm-hmm. But the carouse, carouse, the carouse skill is more general because it's also like... It's the partying skill. It's the, I'm going to uh, go out and meet people and try to, you know, convince them that I'm their friends and maybe they'll tell me secrets and, and mm-hmm. what you know, that kind of thing. And, but, but it's just weird that there's an actual skill called consume alcohol and that you can get better at it. I mean. What does that mean? A very <laughs> high level. Is it just your tolerance? Uh, I would say it would probably be your tolerance, your ability to like, like if we were playing bushy, 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 like that's what you would roll right. to see how well you did in that game. Right. Um, you know, like if you are trying to, to drink someone else under the table, like that's what the skill you would roll for. Them. Right. I mean, in most games, you just use like constitution or stamina or something like that to take the yeah. place of it or, you know, size or strength or something, depending if you're looking at body weight. But I don't know. I don't necessary not necessary i don't know there's a lot of skills i mean shit i come from gurps you know how many skills in gurps never get used in a game there's an account Stork, you're muted on on um okay there's a there's a there's a, a thing on zoom no okay um so 
I think consume alcohol. I, I, I don't know. I like how specific it is. Like, I think it depends on your campaign. Like, if you have a campaign, like, like us with Bushy Bushy Bushy, like, that's a skill. Like, we did that all the time, and we used it to our advantage in oh, our, in, in our um, L5R game a bunch of times because we'd play it until people got drunk under the table and couldn't, you know, be a guard anymore and stuff like that. Um, so I kind of like that it's not necessarily – because, like, drinking isn't necessarily based on – like, like there are like if you're, fa- you're factoring it in size and constitution or whatever you want. Like constitution, I think would be the nearest thing to it. But if you're doing a game where you have designed your own drinking games that you use to your advantage to get things done, like I feel like consume alcohol might be a useful, a useful tr- <laughs> skill to have. I don't know. I don't think it takes away from the game to have an- another skill. I mean, if you're putting points and stuff into it, I guess that would be your prerogative to do so. I wonder if that's mostly the objective. If he's like, I could have put an extra point into dodge or into general melee or whatever this skill is called. Or one of those things, and that's really what he's complaining about. Not the existence he, of the skill, the, the, the fact that you have to take it in many cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that that does seem a little... I don't know. I mean, if it's something that it makes sense for your character, like, like with Carouse, but also... I don't know, I don't hate it. I don't... I mean, if... If every if, if everyone at the table doesn't like it, then it's sort of like eh, that's dumb. Then, um, and like making people take it seems like a bad idea because there's definitely characters who wouldn't take that and wouldn't want that. Sure. So it's like uh, my character, you know, doesn't drink. It's like okay, well, then you don't have that skill. But it, yeah, is it is more prominent than basic melee or dodge? That's seems, funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, that makes sense, though. I mean, you're playing... That, see, that's the... That, okay, that's the other thing. Every one of these player character concepts has an actual job outside of going around adventuring. Mm-hmm. Right? They have something else they do. So, the fact that mo- that they might be better at drinking than at fighting, to me, makes perfect sense. Farmers, merchants, probably are going to be a lot better at drinking than they are going to be at fighting. Yes, very true. And see, and those people also probably wouldn't be putting as many uh, points and, and stuff into uh, into like melee if you're a farmer. Right. So I can see, you know, it would be like, you know, if you have a bard or if you have uh, something like that, you're not necessarily a, an elite fighter, but you're able to, um, I, I don't know, you're able to customize your character a little bit. I, I I like everything that you, that lets you customize your character more. So, right. People it's, who a are, shame, it's a shame that something that seems so trivial that's really added for flavor, it, it, you're forced to take. I mean, I get it if, you, if it's just an option kind of thing, you know, but like like in Vampire, you can sort of point by, but that you're forced to take it and spend points on it kind of seems sucky, you know? It's like it's like uh, buying a, a, a facial feature or something. Yeah. I mean, like, if it's a customization option, you're like, hey, like me, I'm not a min, you know, I make interesting characters, not always the most effective, definitely not min-maxed, but um, they are they are what they are, and I like playing that. You know, I, obviously, if it's optional, then the people who like more min-maxed characters or more effective characters um, won't take it. But yeah, if he's, make, if he's making everybody, that's, that's like... 
Well, it's, he's you not know, making everyone do it. The system is making not everyone, but a lot of a lot of the careers take it. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, Gerps has so many skills that have n- never gotten used, at least in any campaign I've ever run. There's an accounting skill. <laughs> That's why I play tabletop games to accounting. Right. I mean that. I'm just thinking back to third edition, fourth edition. They've added a huge number of skills. Yeah. There's all kinds of stuff that you can take in. If you go through the book, it, that, that's one of the things I say about Gerbs is like you have to sit down with a character concept first because if you don't, it's going to take you hours to come up with character because you're going to sit there and go through option after option after option, and you're going to go through like 80 pages of skill descriptions and say, "Ooh, what skills do I want to do?" Ooh. And, and but a large number of them will never get, come up in a game. Or, wasn't there wasn't there a Ben Affleck movie where he was the accountant, but he was also like a trained assassin? Was there? I think it, I think it was called the accountant. The accountant, yeah. yeah. I don't remember <laughs> if he actually was a trained assassin or if he just ended up being like a badass randomly by movie magic. Like, he, he, you know, it's like the character was like an accountant for. Uh, like a mercenary Blackwater group or something, but he turned out to be a badass himself. It was it was actually a pretty interesting take on things. Nice. Christian Wolf Ben Affleck is a mathematics savant with more affinity for numbers than people. Using a small town CPA office as a cover, he's making a living as a freelance accountant for dangerous criminal organizations. <laughs> I just found it. No shit. That's the one. That's it's actually a, a pretty good movie. You know, it's uh, you know. <laughs> It's, right. it's Affleck, so you know. I don't. I don't Affleck. mind. It. I actually like it, but yeah, don't don't get some people started. <laughs> I finally saw the um, what is it? Uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot or? Oh yeah. You see it? Yeah. Uh, is it the most recent one or the one that was done like ten or fifteen years ago? The, mo- the lightsaber I, thumbs. No, I think it's the most recent one. It's the one where where Kevin Smith lost a bunch of weight. I think yeah, that's, that's, the, new one that's the most recent one. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. I haven't finished it yet. I don't know if I will. Yeah. I was. It's, not. it's no clerks. I know. It's no, sort of it like, is not. And I actually like Mallrats too. That was the one that was most most aligned. But recently, I've sort of. I think he's lost his mojo somewhere. Maybe Quentin Tarantino picked it up. <laughs> <laughs> I also like. What was the one where the angels and Alanis Morissette played God? Dogma. I, I loved that movie. I thought that yeah, movie was hysterical. It, it brings up some interesting concepts, and it, it kind of would be a, like a great role-playing game, wouldn't it? It would, everybody's, yeah. Yeah, so everybody's trying to, you know, stop the angel, but you're just kind of ordinary people. Right, and it, that's, it had the, what, what's the old comedian who died a long time ago now? George Carlin? George Carlin, that's, yeah. Because, oh, you know, yeah. Jesus has to have a little panache. <laughs> <laughs> the buddy Jesus. I used to have a little buddy Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> the pointy oh, fingers. Man. All right. I gotta go as Buddy Jesus one one Halloween. <laughs> you and I are gonna be the only ones that get it. <laughs> I'll go as Kevin Smith. I'll die. I'll wear a black wig and dye my hair black. You're gonna have to lose a lot of weight. No, I'll go as old Kevin Smith. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, giving. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Nicholas, for the email. I don't know if we yes. agree with you. It doesn't seem like we do. You know, I seem to remember back in the 80s when I was going to school in Scandinavia, Sweden was a dry country for a while, so I think they're still bitter. What? Was it really? 
that's that's what I heard. Yeah, they had a whole problem with drunken Swedish because the suicide rate was so high because it's so dark for many parts of the year that they banned drinking or at least really highly regulated it. So people would go to Germany and get hammered, and so you'd see these people in suits passed out in gutters. And you're like, what's going on? It's like, oh, it's a Swedish businessman. That's huh. that's wow. the rumor anyway. Well, it's like when we went to mm-hmm. when, when we went to Gen Con Indianapolis. Oh yeah, that's a that's a weird place to buy alcohol because when you go into a liquor store, it's like going into a pot dispensary out here. <laughs> I mean, it is because there's yeah. like that you got to show your ID and then they buzz you in and you go into a room where they keep all of the alcohol, but you can't touch it. There's a counter and then you tell the person behind the counter what you want and they get it for you and then you go outside and pay for it and I think you have to go back in and get it once you've paid for it. It's really strange. It's very weird. It reminded me a little bit of. Um, of, of Utah, but it was weirder, actually weirder than, than the experience of buying alcohol in Indianapolis was weirder than buying it in Utah, which is saying Weird. something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But, I remember growing up in Portland, it had the same thing. I mean, I remember when I first came to California and I'm like, you guys have entire stores full of liquor. <laughs> <laughs> what the, you know, because usually it was a little place in the corner of the store and it was highly regulated and you couldn't buy on Sundays, but it was like, you guys had entire supermarkets full of liquor. It was astonishing. Still is. Yeah, I don't get those best, blue laws. Best state ever. I can't, can you imagine if they did something like that in California? It's like, oh, I'm sorry, you can't buy you can't buy alcohol after eight p.m. Nope. or on Sundays at all. Or on Sundays, nope. right? Secede from the nation. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, giving the players a reason not to fall asleep from bed in Texas. Who would like to read this? I will read this one. All right. Hey, you guys. A long time ago, I sent in a short email. Come on, that's what it is. Come on. <laughs> yeah, Stu and I are old enough, though, to remember the electric company, which is which was Rita Moreno doing it originally. You guys are remembering it from Goonies. Yeah. <laughs> I stand by my Boy, choice. electric company. That's something I hadn't thought about in a long time. Wow, you don't even know what that is, do you, Kimmy? Nope, I have no idea what that is. Electric Company is kind of like the poor man's Sesame Street. It was more of a hippie Sesame Street. It was like everybody's in bell bottoms, and yeah, it was a little more more 70s. It had more more music. Yeah, and uh, and actually it's where, um, what's his name, the Oscar winner, a couple-time Oscar winner, got his start. uh, Morgan Freeman. Oh, wow, that's cool. He must have been like 19. Oh yeah, he God. wasn't. He wasn't very old. Rita, Rita Moreno. I, I ran into an article. This is why it's still in my head. I ran an article years ago about her. She uh, she was having trouble getting work. She was always casting these Mexican Spitfires. For those of you who don't know, Rita Moreno did West Side Story, the movie. You know, and she's worked all the time. But she had to, she couldn't get work, and she was raising kids and decided to do this electric company thing. And she, that was her catchphrase. Was this with her uh, with her mixed soprano belting "Hey, you guys!" and holding it out for a good like thirty seconds. Yeah, D- didn't Ooh. she? Wasn't she also? That. Wasn't she also... Didn't she play a teacher in Fame? Is that who I'm thinking of? Is that the same person or is that a different person? That's a different person. Okay. Yeah. She's actually still on... She's on television right now as somebody's grandmother. Some show. Yeah. Cool. All right. Sorry. I learned a thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to send I you a clip I learned Morgan of, Freeman was once 19. I'm going to send you a clip of Rita Moreno right now. You can watch it. It, okay. ran, it ran from 1971 to 1977. Oh, all right. 
A long time ago, I sent in a short email about a movie I love. It ended. Uh, I ended that email by saying that I would follow up with a series of D&D horror stories about a guy who is bad enough to always be the worst part of every game night, but never bad enough to get kicked out. Over a year later, I'm finally sending in the first chapter in the series. I hope you're entertained. Is this our one? Okay, yeah. yeah. A horror story, part one. Dun, dun, dun. A few years ago, I put together a D&D group at my community college. It was comprised mostly of friends who I knew from high school. One I met at a college gaming club, and a friend of a guy I met, and a friend of a guy I've met from the gaming club. His friend and my friend uh, is the person that my group now calls Fumbles, the fail ninja. Nice. He was such a train wreck of a human being that he deserves more than one GM horror story. He gets a series. So, without further ado, chapter one of the saga of Fumbles the Fail Ninja. Weird character motivation and inappropriate punishment. Okay, hold on a second. I think... I it? think we're skipping one. Did we miss one? You know what? I, I copied the wrong email in. <laughs> hold Oops. on a second. You're actually reading the third email. Because oh. you'll notice the third email is exactly the same as the second email. Oh, yes it is. Well, I'm going to continue reading this and you fix the third email. Okay. Okay, okay. Um, so, you, right. so but you should probably introduce this as actually a horror story from not oh, yeah. Ben from Texas. Yeah, <laughs> but so, okay. let me see. So this is actually we're all we're just like doing so well tonight, everyone. <laughs> a horror story from Zach. <clears throat> all right, continuing on. Uh, let's see, where did I go? Uh, Fumbles was a mouth breathing oh D and D horror story slash GM confessional. Fumbles was a mouth-breathing fat beard. Don't don't erase that part. That's the part I'm reading. <laughs> oh, I said I didn't know which copy you were reading. <laughs> yeah, read the, you <laughs> All right. scroll down and delete the third one. Got it. This is I'm... so interesting, like, doing this online. Okay. <laughs> uh, Fumbles was a mouth-breathing fat beard about 10 years older than everyone else at the table. Oh, he seems on. to me to be the sort of person that you can tell there's something wrong with him, but you can't tell what or to what degree. I shook his hand and started talking about what he wanted his character for Session Zero. He wanted to play a half-elf druid with a wolf animal companion. That's cool. His wolf would be named Wolf, with a U. Not super creative, but sure, not a problem, I thought to myself. Uh, we made his character, and everything was fine. Until I asked a question about his character. I asked him what his character's motivation slash reason for adventuring was. <clears throat> he said... My character is proud of his elven heritage, and he wants to meet, marry, and have kids with an elf. His character's goal was to bang an elf. Seriously, that was it. I explained to him that in this sitting, setting, elves weren't uncommon, and the idea of getting uh, the, the idea of that being your goal doesn't really make any sense as a character's motivation. It's like loving the fact that you are half Asian and making your goal in life to marry an Asian person. And that's like saying in order to marry an Asian, I would join the U.S. military and go fight in Iraq. It's just really weird and nonsensical. Also super fucked up. That's what <laughs> He said, it's a thing that's important to the character. At this point, I should have put my foot down and said, no, you can't have elf sex as your primary character drive, you dingbat. But I was a new GM and hadn't yet mastered the art of telling PCs no. But I should have seen this as a warning sign uh, that I hadn't yet mass- oh, uh, and how creepy and uncomfortable this dude was going to be. How weird was he going to make things? I did not, sadly. And I thought, how do I make this interesting and not weird? 
how can I make this not suck? I failed. This is where the GM confession comes in. Out of sheer annoyance with Fumbles and his weird character goal, the fact that he would make random decisions that make no sense and piss off the entire table wasn't helping me keep a cool head either. I I'm feeling his- attacked. <laughs> <laughs> I used his weird character goal to mess with him. I introduced an elf maiden NPC and let him try to court her. Shudders. She, he rolled a charisma check, which he'd always fail because the dude dump-statted charisma. Druids don't need charisma, he said at character creation. And the elf NPC would show interest in another NPC, in another PC instead, much to the chagrin of fumbles. This happened three times. Rule of threes in comedy. It was funny for the first uh, time at the, uh, it was funny for the rest of the table who knew of this specific weird motivation. And it was more on the innocuous side. I decided that I needed to up the ante and give him exactly what he wanted. An elf that wanted him. This is probably my biggest regret as a DM. I did something that I would never ever do again. In my defense, it was my first time DMing and I was an edgy college kid with a lot of learning to do. (laughs) The party fought a drow witch, a character working with, uh, with a mysterious big bad who had been behind other nefarious actions throughout the campaign. The battle was mostly even, mostly even, and when things looked bad for the drow, uh, she fled, stealing away the unconscious but- body of Fumbles, the character, and she left. Ooh. I pulled him aside and told him this drow uh, matriarch uh, ha- ha- did depraved things to him for a week before he did a torturous, uh, before he died a torturous death. I made a joke about his character dying of a crushed pelvis. Oh my god. A line I stole from an episode of Futurama. Dark and wrong, I know. X-card violation for sure. Although he seemed to think it was funny and seemed more upset about losing his character than the implications. No character was truly dead at a high... Uh, is, uh, no character is truly dead at a high enough level. And the party used NPC connections slash revival magic to bring him ba- bring back dr- uh, Fumble's druid character. We should have backleafed him and told him not to get... In- he didn't get to play anymore. I stopped messing with him and feeling and feeling bad uh, and felt uh, I stopped messing with him and feeling bad introduced an elf maiden that he rescued in the most uh, <clears throat> hackneyed cliche sexist trope way and then blah 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 he got his happy ending where he married the princess blah 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 boring the party eventually fought the draw witch near the end of the campaign when they bested her and cornered her she exclaimed that she was pregnant with his child. One of the rules I have is if you defeat a villain, you uh, and have them uh, you have them dead to rights, uh, and show mercy that they will it will never come back to bite you. This rule uh, this rule helps curb murder, murder hoboism. He said that she would be allowed to live, but he would ha- uh, but she would have to give up their child to him. She accepted the terms. This half drow child was then a player character in a second campaign our group played ran by one of the other players. And that's where the saga will continue. <clears throat> P.S. Consume, consume and imbibe the potent potable to which you prefer and discuss. P.P.S. Please don't judge me too harshly for my actions here. This is a GM confessional for a reason. It's one of my biggest regret, regrets in my 10 years of RPG experience. I was an edgelord in college and thought it was warranted on the, uh, and the story and fitting for the character without stopping to think it would hurt people at the table. Bumbles wasn't bothered by the turn-in storyline, but another player was. The fact that I made a player of my game feel uncomfortable and unwelcome is something I regret. 
hope to learn from and never make the same mistake again. X cards and lines and veils rules are a great step towards that. PPPS. Over time, Fumbles is going to fluctuate between a laughable oaf a la Peter Griffin and a villain from the episode of Law & Order SVU. Take your guess as to what she will be in next chapter. As I've titled it, the saga of Fumbles the Fail Ninja. Stop sending, uh, set, setting, oh, stop sending pinup art to an underage girl, you strange man child. Wow. Yeah. Okay, without that, without that sort of uh, foreshadowing of the next, with that aside, mm-hmm. I think this was a, a tremendously lost opportunity for character motivation. Yes. Because if this, if the, if the, the player says comes, a player comes to me and says, "I'm an elf and I want to find an elf maiden and get married and have children," mm-hmm. then that means that probably what I'm assuming at every every time they come to a, a noble elf house, he's going to get cleaned up and go and present himself to the noble, find out if he has any daughters, and put his his hat in the ring as a suitor, and 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 spend his time trying to do that. And 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 possibly even getting adventure hooks saying, well, you know, the, anyone who marries my daughter needs to be extremely brave. And how best can one prove one's bravery? There's a dragon over there on that hill. You know, things <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And yeah. it, it's, now maybe that's not what this player meant by this. It kind of seems that way. But if a player came to using the words he's using, I would have been like, oh, that's a cool idea. I think yeah. that's going to be fantastic. Yeah, I uh, mean, you could you could turn that into something where, like like that and especially because he's so bad at his uh, charisma roles and he keeps failing them like that's a fantastic character a character who all he wants is to charm some girl and fall in love and he keeps falling over himself and failing at it is kind of a cute character idea now i don't think that that's what the player had in mind with it with when he dumped that stat um but i don't know in the hands of a good person slash role player like, this could actually be a really cute concept. Yes, I think so. Storky? Yeah, I was just going to say, the, the fact that at the end he ended up marrying and wanted to get married and such, because at, at, first, at first blush, when we first read this, it comes off as creepy and rapey and not fun at all. And, and if, if a GM were to say, listen, if you were actively want to court someone to marry, that's something different. But if you're just trying to you know get it on with an elf, I'm, no, X card, all the way, bad. But you're right, Stu, in, if... Again, hindsight's twenty twenty. In the hands of a better GM with a little more thought, perhaps it would have been an interesting way to to make uh, some interesting character choices and a lot of story hooks for the GM. You know? Yeah, I, I think. But, but again, it'd be you know, a fantastic us, motivation. None of us were very good in, our, in college, except for maybe you. And we no, all made stupid mistakes. GMing. Yeah, I mean, oh, really, I know, yeah. like how many how many college age guys like there are some out there but most don't see the falling in love and getting married story is like very interesting <laughs> uh most middle aged guys don't <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so uh i don't know i and yeah i'm glad he owns that what he did was completely wrong because it's so wrong in so many ways yeah like, now I, like yeah taking the kids taking the pc's character um, without talking to him about it first, having ostensibly, even if it was off camera, like rape, like that's some, that's like heavy stuff that I would never want in a game, and that's definitely something you should <laughs> lines and veils and things like that because that's what, not. What's cool. interesting is the player character wasn't as offended as some of the other people at the table, which 
kind of shows, I guess, what this player character was like. So it's sometimes it's a you know the DM was between a rock and a hard place. And perhaps you made the right call because knowing the player character is you know like Bruce, it uh, you can't offend him. Uh, perhaps it was okay with the PC, but uh, the fact that he made other people at the table uncomfortable. See, that's where that's where it's <clears throat> it's a squishy gray area. It's it's right. hard to please everybody. Right. Well, and you definitely if you like rape is one of those things that if anybody at the table is uncomfortable with it, you can't have it in the game. Like it doesn't matter if that PC is is okay with it. Like, How about just not of, have it in the game at all? Yeah, like don't don't have it in the game. <laughs> don't even like, don't even ask the question. Would it yeah. be okay? No, just just get that idea out of your head. Just stop. Right. Stop. Right. Well, because think about it. Like, and I it, like there's I don't know. There's some sexist tropes in this. It's like because people are like, oh, okay, so it's a female character raping a male character. So, oh, it's not as weirded out. Where if you'd flipped the genders on this, if it had been a female NPC or PC and a male NPC, like I don't know, like you have to be like it doesn't matter what the genders are. No, but for some reason, this type of thing in stories seems to be, and it's, and, and I've noticed at RPG tables, like it's more acceptable, even though it's still rape, because it's like, oh, what guy wouldn't want to get laid? It's like, no, that's like super toxic <laughs> that's the, not okay the, the, having read some dritz novels uh what it, they're t- describing here is a little tame compared well, yes. to what happens in some of those uh, salvatore mo- novels or right. or even the even the robert e howard's conan movie right or books. but i mean the yeah, the definitely. yeah but this they're is act- actually about about drow too yeah because i mean dritz i did i never read any of the other books the later books but I read sort of the like his origin story books, which all take place in Menza Baranzan, which is the underground yeah. city where, where, the, where he was born. Yeah, and that, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I don't think I don't think those novels are getting matriarchal society, and that's what men picture in a matriarchal society happening. Um, not men, but like some men, when, especially when they're trying to think of the worst things, is like, oh, these women that take what they want all the time. Um, but you know, it's it's. Just not okay. No. And the thing, the difference between a book and a game is like, if you get to a part in a book, you're like, oh, this is gross. I didn't know this was going to be here. You stop the book, and nobody around you knows. You're just like, close, done. Okay, we'll start a fire tonight. It'll be great. Oh, uh, you have to go on Twitter. Just <laughs> <laughs> go scream about it. Um, yeah, that too. But you know, in a game, it's hard, especially when you're sitting at the table. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, even if it's a great, you know, it, they he says that they didn't have any safety tools in place. It was ten year, ten plus years ago. Things like that. So at that point, it's like you're not going to be like the one. It's it's hard to be the one who's like I'm uncomfortable with this right now. But it sounds like someone told him later that they were uncomfortable. So that's a good sign. Yeah, yeah. We used to play without a net all the time, and it never really occurred to us that yeah. that safety tool was even an option or that it was needed. Net. We good. were a lot of not edge lord, but we were just a bunch of stupid boys that played stupid characters and did stupid things. And in hindsight, there was necrophilia. There was it was just oh, awful. Yeah, of course. But it, but it was it was I don't know. It was a different era, and we didn't care amongst ourselves. Right. Well, and it's something that's that's only started, you know, be, becoming a norm in gaming in the last five so years, maybe? Maybe long. I think a little longer a little than longer. that. Yeah. But that's, like, when I really started seeing it at, like, conventions, you'd go sit at a table, and there'd already be an X card that you wouldn't have to talk about it or ask or worry about it. Right. Um, so, I don't know. It's... Good on you for learning and never doing it again. Yes. But next time, the guy comes in and says, I'm my character. All he wants to do is 
find someone and fall in love and raise a family. That's a perfectly legitimate story. And you can totally have an adventure, an adventurous story that happens with that happening as well. Yeah. Those things can totally exist at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, one of my one of the stories that always sticks in my mind about used to is that I think you had a superhero game, or maybe it was no, it was a fantasy game where somebody decided they wanted to get married, and I think they had a baby as well, and they role played it out for campaign after campaign. They that was Fred, and Fred actually role played birthing the baby. He put his feet up on the edge of the table. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you may have and, left that detail out the last time you talked actually, about it. He actually LARPed screaming through the labor. <laughs> yes. And then he was, his character, his character uh, was a barbarian and she had a very low intelligence and she was very flummoxed. And, she, and if I recall correctly, she had been an orphan and she had never been around children before ever. And the first thing that she noticed is like, oh my God, my child is mute because the baby didn't talk. <laughs> So then she she went out and talked to a priest and the, and asked the priest, yeah, my my child is struck mute. What do I do? Of course, not seeing the child is actually a small infant is eventually going to learn to talk. And he says, well, you should try a, a vow of uh, what was it? A vow of poverty. So threw away all of her armor, threw away all of her weapons, got a sackcloth and a stick, and wandered around until the baby turned about. Four or three, and started to talk. Or two, and started talking words. It's like, oh, well, I want my armor back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, he had a great character arc for that for that character. <laughs> All right, uh, thank you for the the horror story, mm-hmm. Zach. And now it's Ben from Texas, and it's in the bottom of the of the document. I do like the nickname Fumble for someone who. Fails at their dice rolls. Fumbles. Fumble the fail ninja. (laughs) That's going to be my clown name. It's Fumbles the Clown. Fumbles. (laughs) Fumbles. All right, Ben from Texas. Thanks for reading my email in season 25, episode 18. Good time. You asked how I tried to make uh, my he seems more deadly, so here goes. Kimmy told me not to apologize for my length, but I think a fair warning is appropriate. Never apologize for your length. Quick refresher, I was responding to an email from Season 25, Episode 11, asking about making D&D more deadly without cheesy crap like rolling to see if you fall down the stairs. I thought this question of was getting at one of the most important parts of running a game, which is how to keep the players invested and engaged. In some games, like D&D, the mechanics don't always help reinforce the danger and excitement of a combat. It's tough to be worried about your paladin getting stabbed when you know they can get stabbed eight more times before they're in trouble. A lot of what I do is just stuff y'all talk about all the time. Most importantly, describe the setting and events in terms of the fiction as much as possible, rather than focusing on the mechanics. The question, what does that look like, needs to be in every GM's toolkit. Yep. Also, don't tell them they're fighting a CR3 shambling mouth with an AC of 14 and 64 hit points. Describe the ground swelling up unnaturally and lurching toward them with a bestial roar. There's also the sorts of things you talked about, like countdowns and hostages and by- bystanders. To sum up, it's always a good idea to have ways for the PCs to lose the encounter. Besides, everyone dies game over. Who wants to play Munchkin? <laughs> Setting up the significance of the encounter in the story really helps, too. 
If your players think they have time to stop and take a nap before they go on the big dungeon boss, you need to give them a reason why they have to do the exciting thing instead of the careful thing. Maybe the dungeon is collapsing. Maybe they have to save their friends and PCs from a necromancer. Maybe they take wandering damage if they stop to sleep under a tree. Sorry, that was me. <laughs> we, had a, we had an email years ago about people taking wandering damage if they didn't stay on the GM's prescribed path. Right. Uh, this this also helps with things besides combat. In my last campaign, the PCs set out to retrieve a powerful artifact from a haunted castle at the heart of a long-dead kingdom. I introduced another treasure hunter who was after the same thing, so they were always under pressure to get there before the rival. They even had a tense argument about whether they had time to stop and help a village cursed by werewolves. Anyways, I'll wrap it up. Basically, tell your story in a way that motivates the characters to do something exciting and not take a nap whenever they lose 10 hit points. And also, don't let Stu play an accountant who can't fight anything, at least in D&D. <laughs> Tears, Bamber, Texas. How did you know he was going to mention accountants? <laughs> you know, I didn't... I, I pre-read part of this email, but I did not read the last paragraph. That's amazing. <clears throat> but that, that's always been my favorite my favorite uh, skill in GURPS is the accounting. Um... <laughs> He's, he makes he makes a lot of good points. I mean, but part of the problem, especially in high levels in combat, you it, it gets it gets real hard. At some point, I think the players will say, "Would you shut up and stop describing things? Can we get through this combat, please?" Stop talking to my hit points. You know, well, n- not not as much that, my but like, if you're talking about you know like a high attrition combat where you've got a large pool of XP. Or or hit points, and if that combat's going to last a long ass time, at, initially, absolutely, I would totally agree with everything he's saying here. But as as things go on, at some point, you're just trying to grind through those hit points. Yeah, and at some point, you're going to you're yeah. just slowing shit down and making combat even longer. Yeah, especially in D and D. But I still like to pause, like if there's like epic moments, like make sure you're having people describe that. Oh like, sure. You know, if they roll, you know, a nat 20 or something like that. Um, or if you're in a system that doesn't have such long combats, then you can definitely take more of those moments. But yeah, there were definitely times, even like as much as we love, uh, you know, describing, making things narrative, there were times in D&D combats where I've just been like, okay, what's its AC? Let's hurry. Let's get through this. Right. You know, not because I didn't love the game or wasn't having fun, but sometimes those combats can get to be... Six hours? Like, what was her longest yeah. one? It was six. Yeah, but there were 11 like, people, and that, that, that was a whole different thing. That, yeah. was, uh, that was the one where you guys were fighting those controllers that were grabbing yeah. you and pulling you away one at a yeah. time, and one of them grabbed the healer. Yeah. That's what, when I, that's the first time as a, as a DM of D&D where I went, hey, I should make sure someone definitely attacks the healer first. And everyone <laughs> lost their shit. <laughs> Uh, but I, can remember, I can remember back in the day, we, we hit upon this revelation, which is, instead of saying you're being attacked by a troll, we would describe what it was. And sometimes you get clever, because trolls don't all look the same. Some are bigger, some are smaller. So sometimes you would start describing the monster, and the people didn't know what it was. Or then they say, oh, it's a troll. It's like, you don't know what a troll is. You're a level two fighter. You have no idea what a troll is. Because <laughs> once people right. knew what it was, they go, everybody get out the fire. You're like, no, no, you don't know what a troll is. You don't know that that fire is a thing for them. Right. So, and... and you know, you didn't have the monster manual memorized at that point either. So when you, people would describe things, they didn't quite know what it was, and it made the game so much more interesting because people weren't were no longer just jumping on the immediate solution. Oh, it's a troll, get fire, and we, and we can move on. And all of a sudden, they're, they're talking about themselves, trying to figure out what it is, trying to how, to how to deal with it. And I think that that's a really 
fun thing to do to your players. You can even take monsters and kind of reskin them, or at least so when you describe and then describe it to them, so they have no idea what it is. Because even unconsciously, you're going to metagame. If you know that you're fighting trolls or ogre magi or something that regenerates, you know subconsciously you're going to try things and go, well, maybe they regenerate, or you're going to end up, you're going to end up gaming it for yourself. If you don't know what it is, the game, the combat takes on a whole new dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> and that's the great part about not playing D and D that often is every time you play D and D, it's like that. You're like, I have no idea what this is. I have no idea. I have no idea how to kill it. <laughs> we used to collect all these different yeah, monster but- manuals because for that very reason, because people would eventually memorize all the monsters. So you'd have to go out. And back in the day, there were all these different. Uh, uh, there were the ones that were put out by TSR, but then there were these other ones that were sort of came that looked like, you know, badly Yeah, made. I remember stuff like that. The, 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 people would come out with things that they would have their like their own game system that was just similar enough that you could use the stats for D&D without having to change anything. Yeah. God, I, I used to have a couple of those things. I don't remember what yeah. they were now, though. But but you got them because you wanted to throw new things at your players because they all they had the monster menu memorized and they knew exactly what to do. And so you were like, what can I do to surprise them and make it interesting? Mm-hmm. Be- because it did. It got boring after a while. It was like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. you know, it, it seems like a small thing, but it really does make a big difference in what you're playing. All of a sudden, it's like when you're playing WoW for the first time and you come <laughs> upon something and you don't know what it is. <laughs> And you're like, and you're really cautious. I mean, you shoot an arrow at it and you try to, yeah, you don't know. It's terrifying. It's red and it's over there. It's over there. (laughs) It's horrible. I have 14 hit points. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I think that's one of the cool things about um, like a lot of the online vendors now. There's so many people with drive-thru RPG and stuff like that that you can go buy. People have like created all these monsters and classes and things like that that aren't in the manuals. And sometimes that gets really clunky, but it also, as a DM, it gives you a cool advantage because you can go find like anything that you want. Um, and a lot of them, you, you, your players won't necessarily be familiar with them. So it's kind of a cool resource that way. But it so is. Be careful. It really is. Yeah. I mean, they they, they even they, they came out, was it the Fiend Folio? What was the, that second? It was the Fiend Folio, which I think came from Britain. Because eventually TSR would, uh, had a, in fact, I had a copy it was, of it. It was produced. Somewhere. It was published by TSR. The version I saw was at least right. Right. It has a big knoll on the cover of it. Like, yeah, or something. I don't remember what it had on it. I got one that was like a sky blue sort of. It was a paper cover, and it had like dozens and I don't know, probably 120 different monsters in there. And it was D and D compatible, but it wasn't put out by TSR. Right, uh, and they and they can't mention. They couldn't mention D and D. No, yeah. no. <clears throat> but there were a lot of monsters in there. I pulled out and. Some of them were very overpowered, but it, it, it was it was a, an eff- effort to make the game interesting again. Yeah, well, in a like Cobalt Press has like their Tomo Beast and stuff now. There's just a lot of like third party content um, that you can get. Some of it's actually printed. Some of it's just PDF. But depending on which version of D and D you're using, you could call from Pathfinder too. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Well, I, don't, I mean, I don't know enough. I've never done it personally. Like when I was running, when I was DMing, like it was, I did fourth, um, fourth edition, and I, I haven't done fifth edition. But I don't know what it. I mean, I'm sure people know more about it than I do. Write in if you have information on this. But taking a monster from an older edition and just like, no, it doesn't work. I don't think. That's, I, no, I think they changed. I, I like want to change it. So you have to tweak them. Oh yeah, yeah. Hit point totals, I think, are going to be lower, generally speaking, mm-hmm. in fifth edition, 
Because, I mean, you had, your big epic monsters had like 1,800 hit points. Like, Orcus had like 1,800 and some hit points yeah, in 4th in, uh, in edition. In 4th edition, it, it was pretty crazy. I don't think he's even listed in 5th. I am not. I don't recall. It's been a long time since I looked in that book. They still have aboliths, though. Oh, yeah. Okay, I have to have aboliths. <laughs> They're the best. All yeah, right. it, was, it was Stu's favorite monster. We never encountered one, thank God. Right. <laughs> I, had a, I had a friend that was obsessed with the bullets, the, the land sharks. Right, it oh, would appear yeah. in like, every game at least once. Land shark. <laughs> Will they knock oh, on the door? Shark. Candy gram. <laughs> she doesn't know. <laughs> you're, that's not a candy gram. You're a land shark. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Are we it? We done? Mm-hmm. All right. So. Hey, thank you to EasyRollerDice.com for sponsoring this episode. Let's go Yay. to EasyRollerDice.com slash jacks. Uh, to get their Kickstarter, the al- aluminum dice with the elven font designs on them, and they've got uh, the stretch goals, they've got new dice cups, and they've also got the aluminum dice cases. So go check it out at easyrollerdice.com slash jacks. And thank you for watching. And I'll, bye, play, bye. I'll play the thing. I'll play here. Where oh, yeah, the thing. Where Thank you for joining us for season 26, episode 11 of Happy Checks Over 2 Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. I'm Stork. And that's it. And we'll see you next Friday at uh, 7 p.m. Pacific Daylight Savings Time right here at happyjacks.org slash live. Thank you very much. We'll leave you with a song. From Michigan to Australia and maybe East Timor.